to the Garris Mammal Podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to play you a few interviews I did with some blockchain people. Uh, this was Amanda Gutterman, the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer at Consensus, the kind of commercial wing, shall we say, of Ethereum project. And then the next day, I spoke to Thomas Schulten, who is the head of marketing at LISC, who are working on making, uh, shall we say, making, creating blockchain applications a little simpler. And I sort of specifically wanted to also talk to them about marketing something like blockchain. So we talk a little bit about their projects and their companies, but also dig into how you actually explain a concept like blockchain to people. Enjoy. So I'm Amanda Gutterman. I'm um, Chief Marketing Officer at Consensus. Um, my background was in more kind of pure digital media and marketing. I worked very closely with Ariana Huffington at the Huffington Post, um, helping run the contributor network and doing a bunch of different marketing projects for her. Uh, then I got really excited about blockchain after. So I started after Huffington Post. I started a digital media startup called Slant, and we had a. Sounds familiar. Ah, good. Uh, we had a business model that uh, was basically anyone can create a piece of content, then we would then we would optimize it for distribution with some automated and human techniques, and we would teach people uh, content marketing, so help them get more reach for their content. And we had an audience that was largely college students and journalism school students, and we would serve ads across the whole thing, and then we would pay the people that wrote seventy percent of the advertising revenue that they brought. In. Is it still going? Or? Um, it, it isn't, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fairly forward-thinking. But the, the, <laughs> the exciting part was actually, you know, I did a lot of thinking around what the internet did to um, did to digital media and to storytelling, and it democratized the ability to actually tell a story online and to, to send it to different people. It democratized access, but it didn't democratize value flows. So there weren't the value flows tied to the access. So I tried to tie those two back together with Slant, and during the time I was running Slant, I first learned about Ethereum. Um, I knew about Bitcoin. Uh, I didn't get super into it because it seemed like just a currency system. Whereas with something like Ethereum, my mind was blown. I met some of the consensus people early on before I worked there. They explained what it was to me, and my brain basically popped because I was imagining all the different types of business models that weren't reasonable or that weren't possible before that got unlocked uh, by bringing payments down to near zero and being able to um, have end-sided transactions and divide an asset among a huge amount of uh, beneficiaries and, and people yep. participating. So obviously in, me in media, the idea of micropayments is huge. And my business was a micropayment-based business. And also in other industries, thinking about things like remittances, uh, thinking about all the different all of the different business models that are unlocked by bringing transaction fees down to zero. And I knew that my next move would be into blockchain. So when I joined Consensus in 2016, um, we were still under 100 people. Uh, I was the first marketing hire and again that's that's good <laughs> although <laughs> and we it's were, a shame they waited so long uh, well we were we were really at, so consensus was founded by joseph lubin yeah. who was one of the co-founders of ethereum and actually consensus began to exist officially before ethereum was even launched maybe actually just uh, just to fill in the gaps because yeah. i only really figured this out recently myself what's the difference between the ethereum foundation and the consensus so can the ethereum foundation similar to the linux foundation or another um, like open source foundation, their 
they're a not-for-profit, so that they're run by Vitalik Buterin and by Aya Miyaguchi, who's their executive director. Vitalik is their chief scientist, and their job is to act as a foundation and continue innovating, continue executing the roadmap, um, technically, of the Ethereum blockchain, whereas Consensus was started by Joseph Lubin, who is one of the co-founders, and it is a for-profit company. Um, so you can compare it to sort of what, what Red Hat is. Linux Foundation and Red Hat. Yeah. Right. Although so, they're not so directly connected. Pre- precisely. And we have a great relationship with them. We've worked on a lot of projects together. We've been very collaborative with them over time, but we're a for-profit business. And I've, I have met Consensus. Consens- so Consensus is a shortening of Consensus Systems. Yeah. C-O-N-S-E-N-S-U-S. Okay. That helps. That helps. Yeah. That helps so that, that's, that, that's the funny name. Consensus currently is one of the largest blockchain specialist companies. We have 850 people and we're growing very quickly. We're in 28 countries right now. Um, One big part of what we do, we have kind of five major prongs of activity, but one of them is Consensus Labs, which is our venture studio, which is incubating all kinds of different applications of blockchain technology, focusing on the Ethereum blockchain. For everything from journalism to music to fixed income reference data, you know, just to identity, everything across the board, basically any vertical that you can imagine, supply chain, any vertical you can imagine that's, that could be touched by blockchain, we're incubating an application in our studio to try and um, to try and uh, seize that opportunity. So we have 47 projects currently in the venture studio. Um, and those run, run the gamut from, um, from early ideation stage to something that's about to be spun out. We've also spun out about six projects. One of them is actually has a lot of personnel here in Berlin. Um, which is Gnosis, our prediction markets platform. Yeah, like there's, there's, there's a lot of blockchain in Berlin, almost too much sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so are these are the projects uh, going to aim obviously to be monetized, I guess, in some way, and are they often aiming to be monetized in more conventional, in quote marks, ways, or also in the kind of blockchain model? Yeah, so, so different projects have different business models. That makes sense depending on what they're doing. Um, we recently announced a partnership with AWS and one of our spokes. That's what we call each of them. We call them spokes because we have a hub and spoke model. Um, so we have a great project called Kaleido that's doing, um, that's a SaaS business. Uh, that's software as a service blockchain. So obviously their business model yeah. is creating deals with different enterprises. So you're we, creating a... So that's one example yeah. of one with a more well, traditional model. The Microsoft Cloud and the IBM Cloud have their own one, so it makes right. sense. So, so, so that's one example. Yeah. Um, we also, another example with a very different business model is Truffle. Oh, yeah. So right now we give yeah. Truffle away for free. It's the most used Ethereum development framework. I didn't actually realize it was a consensus project. It is. It makes sense now. Somewhere almost 99% of Ethereum projects are built on Truffle. Yeah. It has over 500,000 downloads, um, and right now that is free. Um, eventually, sometime in the future, maybe it'll have a paid kind of prosumer model on yeah. top of it, but right now it's really about um, investing in the Ethereum community so we don't feel a lot of pressure to monetize it right now. So the business model is really long-term. The business model is about allowing Ethereum to have as many at-bats as possible to create a great DAP, whether those come from within consensus or outside. And it's the same for MetaMask, which is another one of our really popular... It's a Chrome, it's a Chrome yeah. browser plugin, has over a million users, all 
also free. Also, potentially in the future, there are different ways to monetize it. But for now, we're focused on providing it for free in order to um, help uh, grow the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, so then, then there, there are examples like Ujo, where which is putting out music um, on Ethereum, and you pay uh, to access that music. So e- each of these, each of these business models works. And I didn't realize any of them were part of consensus. Ah, yes, <laughs> yes. So um, and Civil is a great yeah. project. It's a blockchain journalism project. It has its own business model where people can pay in tokens for journalism, basically creating two-sided markets. Somewhat similar to Steam it? No, because what what they're doing, instead of one giant platform and focusing on anybody being able to write, they're focusing on actually organizing professional journalists into newsrooms and creating sub-publications that are tokenized within this civil umbrella. So almost functioning like, and this is almost functioning like a WordPress of Ethereum. (laughs) So so each of these businesses really has their own business model that's fit to function. So what you what you've just done in the past few minutes is quite interesting because I go to a lot of blockchain events and I, I write for fairly technical audiences so I'm kind of used to sitting there and interpreting what people are trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the blockchain community is, is traditionally not very good at communicating. It has a tendency to be overcomplicated and have not much desire to reduce that complication. I think they like being overcomplicated. Um, so and I've, I've come across very few projects that are good at explaining themselves. Um, so how how do you do it? How do you figure out how to explain these projects to, I guess, end users and business users without abstracting too much and dumbing them down? And, sure. Uh, so, so different projects have different audiences, and some of our tools have an extremely technical developer audience, and we need to make sure we're giving them all the information they need. Um, so I actually run some within Consensus called Consensus Catalyst, which is a blockchain marketing agency that works with all of our internal projects, but also with external projects. And the kind of, the advice that I give, especially for consumer-facing dApps, is don't get hung up by the idea that you need to explain the blockchain to everyone. Explain your value add. Explain your proposition to the user. And explain what the blockchain does for that. How it how it supports that mission. But if there are, if there are people creating dApps saying, no one's using my DAP because they don't understand the blockchain. That's a poor excuse yeah. because they don't need to understand the yeah. blockchain. Understanding how the internet works isn't a prerequisite no. to using the internet. Sometimes understanding not. how a light works <laughs> isn't a prerequisite to turning on a light switch. But I, I guess it just just drilling into that, like uh, the internet is better developed than it was in the past. Electricity mostly works most of the time. Blockchain is still fairly nascent in early days, and sometimes, you know, like for example, public key. It, is, is a fundamental of blockchain but still not that accessible so do you ever come into a sort of conflict with you know you, you would like the, the, the product founders or yourself to, to push on one angle but there's still something that sort of well, is that slightly from a technical perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the blockchain community has a lot to do in terms of UX. Mm. And I think building really great UX yes. and accessibility is going to be a yeah. huge part. It's actually a very good talk about this very subject at a blockchain event here a couple months ago. It's going to be a huge key to adoption. Yeah. But the flip side is to remember that we're still really early um, and that a lot of that is coming and we need to build a lot. A lot of our most popular products are developer tools yeah, because sure. we're still building the roads. Yeah. 
And before you can build, you know, the the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world in Dubai, oh, before you build, I didn't know you took about before you build the Burj Khalifa, you have to build you have to build the roads. And we are seeing other types of projects being adopted that aren't that aren't just that that very lowest layer. Um, but for now, we're building the roads. I often get the question, what year are we in? You know, comparing this to the internet in yeah. terms of uh, adoption. And what's been crazy about this is that it's moving so much faster. So it's hard to even say that we're, you know, in 1989 or when we're in 1992 or 1996 because the actual curve is going crazy. It's interesting something you said earlier to spark to my mind and you kind of led into it of saying it's still early days. But if you think that, uh, well... Bitcoin is 10 years and the concepts behind Bitcoin are a little older than that. Mm -hmm. It's actually not so early days anymore. Actually, an interesting question would be, when, when do you think we could stop using that as an excuse? Ah, so, so the Bitcoin blockchain is about 10 years yeah. old. Ethereum is still a baby blockchain. Sure. It's still only a couple years old, and there's a vast difference between sure. what it does and what the Bitcoin blockchain does. Yeah, and there's, there's a very aggressive security yeah. and scalability roadmap yep. that's been enacted fairly regularly um, by the foundation and by all the people mm -hmm. coming together to support it. Um, the Ethereum blockchain works. It uh, handles more transactions than all other blockchains combined. Um, yep. 94 out of the top 100 blockchain projects are currently built on Ethereum and has the largest developer community by 30x. It's 30 times the size of the next largest blockchain yep. developer community, which is Hyperledger Fabric. Yeah, yep. which is also a reason. So, so, so it works. Um, it's used, and we can see that there's a lot of enthusiasm for it from the fact that all these developers are working on it. So even if, um, whether you think tokenization is the killer consumer app, which I think there's an argument for, or whether you think that's still down the road, there are a huge amount of at-bats, and that's why we're so excited about encouraging developers. I'm going to, so I'm going to be a bit British, and you're, you're quite American. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Am I? <laughs> in the way that you answer questions, and I'm a bit British, so you've spoken a lot about some of the positives of your work, but... Uh, um, are the British more negative? Is that, is that well, what's maybe going on? Positive. I'm all for it. I've been to a lot of American conferences recently, and sometimes I just stand like, oh, I mean, I just need some something else to stop with the positive. Let's get sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, it's like with the you know with with uh, marketing, especially around developer projects. Mm -hmm. I've worked around this field myself quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Developer tools. Developers tend to be quite skeptical people. Mm -hmm. Ethereum is new. Ethereum's had its problems. It's true. So how do you work with that side of the marketing, the the the, the buffeting against the negative press and speech and the community as well? Yeah, by being extremely factually accurate, and that is the only answer because blockchain marketing in general and especially facing developers shouldn't be about creating hype and telling stories it should be about connecting people to tools that they want to use period exclamation point developers speak with their choice of technology that's how they vote uh, we've been seeing how they've been voting and that's been coming out really well for ethereum there are a lot of blockchain projects that are all about storytelling all about hype that don't even have any technology out and that and, the, and that aren't even useful ethereum launched with its own yep. token, right? So yep. the 
Ethereum platform was live um, and it launched on itself. And there, there are a lot of blockchain platforms and blockchain projects that can't say, say that for themselves, that mostly survive on a white paper and that survive on storytelling hype. And so being factually accurate, backing up everything you say with the actual technology and focusing on connecting people with tools yeah. is the way to get around that. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to fool them. You're not going to take no. a, you're not going to have some non-technical marketing person who yeah. fools people into using a product that doesn't actually work. Yeah. The focus should be on connecting them with something that's useful to them. It's easy to criticize when you've done nothing. I mean, with Ethereum, it's made mistakes, but at least it had something to then build upon. Yeah. I mean, change and learn. And certainly there are mistakes. The DAO was a very hastily created project built on top of Ethereum. And obviously there were problems with that um, very early on in the Ethereum life story. And, you know, we hear about that all the time still, even though that was fixed. I, I'm, I'm not even particularly bothered about it. I was just I don't know, yeah. thinking more broadly. No, but but it, it's good because all of these, all of these, get out and hope. Uh, totally. I mean, all of these different um, different issues can really strengthen a blockchain platform if they're handled well. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of blockchain projects put out bug bounties so yeah. they can learn from yeah. the community how to make their platforms more secure. And nature should be reasonably open anyway. And we haven't seen anything else like that since then. Actually, I wrote, just I wanted to ask a different question, but it's a very quick tangent. Are all your current projects open source or will some be closed source? Or? Um, a huge proportion of them are open source. A few of them aren't for certain kinds of, yep. for certain different kinds of IP reasons. We endeavor to keep everything as open source as possible. Um, so actually, a little bit more about you. I mean, you obviously, you've, you've already said, and I understand this very well myself, about that technical marketing developers, when you don't understand what you're talking about, is a bad idea. You definitely come from the world of understanding what the tools can solve, but you didn't mention any technical background. So how did you learn? <laughs> yeah. So I do actually have a, a slight technical okay. background. I was uh, roommates in college with the guys that were starting Code Academy. All right. <laughs> um, and, and though I did not take computer science as an undergraduate, um, they were testing out their uh, tools on dummies like me um, that were studying things like bad, English and statistics. No, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm being British now. Um, so, um, so I learned how to code. Um, on a few different um, tools using using some of those uh, services and got kind of I wouldn't call myself a coder but I, I understand on a fundamental level kind of what what sure. that framework is yeah. um, and then I would say that there are so many concepts in blockchain that are very technical that it can be very daunting for someone who comes from you know, not studying computer science, not studying computer <laughs> science, not studying, you know, not being yeah. a developer. But I think that actually shouldn't be off-putting to no. people. I think that you can you can pick it up very quickly, yeah. especially since it's just a couple years old. It'll be much harder 10, 15 years yeah. down the road when there's more of a canon yeah. and there's more that you have to learn to actually get yeah. up to speed. But I would say someone who's interested, even if they come from a non-technical background and, yeah. and wants, to, wants to start learning some of the technology, 
technical staff and is open to that, now is a great time to get on board because it hasn't been around enough years to really no, build sure. up that much stuff. The only downside of <laughs> changes the whole time is sometimes you learn something and then six months later that's gone. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. But but, but yeah. this is why I recommend uh, to a lot of women that they whether they're technical whether they're not to go into blockchain because it's so new that there's yes. no pre-existing hierarchy. Sure. There's no super long canon, so you can become an expert, quote unquote, actually, fairly quickly. The blockchain community, I would say, is a mixed blessing because it's it's a very. It, it can, in terms of what you just said, it can sometimes be a little less welcoming than some of the other newer technical communities. But actually, what the point you said is an interesting one. I have been, like, uh, for example, chatbots, for example, and um, voice interfaces. Again, okay, some of the concepts are not new, but there's the combination of various technologies are quite new. And equally, those OFO scenes are more diverse mm-hmm. because they're new and there's less bullshit legacy to battle against mm-hmm. and blockchain especially in Berlin is somewhat similar as I say I don't think the community is always that welcoming but the diversity tends to be higher again because there's less legacy to battle against mm-hmm. um, yeah it's an interesting point actually though um, yeah um, yeah I, I, I think um the, the blockchain is finance plus engineering. And the Cedar communities, the Cedar communities who go into blockchain are both very heavily male-dominated. Um, so if, if you're seeding the community with, with finance and with engineering, yeah, sure. then, then it's going to end up looking like that. Yeah, but but we've that. been making a huge effort to open it up to more people. Consensus plays host to um, women, women in blockchain, which is a, becoming a really large group in New York and in a bunch of other cities. Also, I I started an event series called Ethereum, which is one of the largest blockchain event series. This past year, we had 60% women speakers. Uh, We didn't make a big fuss of it. We didn't put out some press release saying 60% women. But uh, there there are extremely high-quality projects that are being led by women. And there's a a reason around here. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with what people are doing here. Yeah, I mean, so, so there are two other women who are really wonderful on the blockchain stage today. Uh, Galia Benartzi, who's one of the co-founders of Bancor, and also Jess from Codex. Um, Codex is an art-on-the-blockchain provenance platform yeah. that we actually partnered with yeah. at Ethereal to run a charity art auction at which yeah. um, a crypto kitty sold for a record-breaking $140,000 for charity. Uh, but it was a very it was a very exciting yeah. very exciting time, and what they're doing is really interesting. Yeah, I know Bancor. Codex, I think, came across my list, but... Um there's a there's actually a, a fairly old in quote marks in terms of blockchain space anyway company here who are somewhat given up on that idea now called uh, Ascribe you probably you might have met Trent and Bruce through other things. yeah I, I, I've heard of them yeah. I'm actually, not I'm not super familiar their office used to be on my street so yeah just a very quick about consensus itself so the main office is New York or? so we're a decentralized company yeah. so um, we do have the largest concentration <laughs> In at our office in Bushwick, which is a pretty unusual which place is, to have an office. It's in it's in is. New York. It's in, <laughs> it's in it's in Brooklyn, but it's in a very Bushwick. Up, Bushwick. <laughs> Bushwick. Because I'm also Australian, and Bushwick sounds like an Australian. Ah, uh, yes, uh, yeah. So it's, it's in Bushwick. It's an area that's very artsy, very up and coming. A lot of graffiti. Um, it's not where you would expect a traditional company to have an office. We're, we're, we're a very non-traditional company. We have an office in San Francisco. Francisco, 
We have a growing presence in LA. We have a great office in Toronto. Um, We also have a presence in Dubai. We have an office there. Uh, We're the official blockchain advisor to the city of Dubai, helping them be the first city to run on a blockchain by 2020. We have Singapore. We have a growing presence in both Australia and New Zealand. Um, We have an office in Paris. We have a pretty big office in London. Now one in Dublin. We also have one in Bucharest. Uh, So you you joined at 100 people. What's the... I joined at just under 100 people. Right now it's um, 850 going on 1,000. And is that that all... Is that currently funded from the the Ether tokens or is it VC funding or sales or everything? So we've never taken external funding, so we don't have any uh, VCs or angels or anyone external. Uh, Our company has a few different lines of business for generating revenue. Um, Yeah, so so we do a huge amount of consulting work. It's called Consensus Solutions. It's our group that works with enterprises and governments. And then in in Consensus Labs, the venture studio, a lot of projects as they graduate from that, do so with a token launch. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And um, just to wrap up, in the next six months, what's on the, what's on the roadmap? What's the plans or anything you want to make sure people know is happening in the next six months? Sure. Um, six months is an arbitrary number if you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're seeing a huge amount of adoption. I think we're going to see some more government adoption, hopefully some more good news um, out of the SEC. Yep. Um, there was some yep. really exciting news about um, Bitcoin and Ether not being a security recently. And I think we're really excited to get more clarity. Yeah. Most uh, governments around the world are being moderately progressive about it. I, I think we're excited to get clarity. We have a great project that's really starting to flourish called the Brooklyn Project, which okay. brought together, which brings together a big group of industry stakeholders with regulators and lawyers to define responsible frameworks for the token industry. And that's been really taking off. Um, I think, I mean, we're seeing a massive influx of developers onto the tools that we're building and our platforms. Um, Civil is launching. which is really exciting so the the journalism um, project that I was discussing I think we're just going to see more and more adoption and I think consensus is going to see some pretty radical growth consensus is interesting because we're making this effort at a flat non-hierarchical decentralized structure for ourselves and I think we're one of the first companies there are a few others to be able to actually operate at scale with that kind of system famous examples but they're not that like base camp 37 signals but they're not that Yeah, so I think as we continue to scale, we're going to have to refine that decentralized model more and more. And the funny thing you realize is that you need more process, not less. In order order to have more autonomy, you actually need a lot more process. It's somewhat depressing when you realize that. So we're we're building that. You know, uh, it's it's an amazing spaceship. There are some parts of it that we're building while we're flying it. But I I strongly, strongly, (laughs) while we're paving the roads, you know, I I strongly... um, suspect that we might have very many more people on that spaceship in a short amount of time. Well, so I'm uh, Thomas Gouten. I'm Dutch. Um, I'm the was the first non-developer on the team actually, uh, approximately one and a half years ago. And um, uh, since then, uh, since then, being very much focused on expanding the marketing team itself in the beginning, while doing the marketing on the side. And at the moment, I think we're about to hire our 15th, so one five, 15 people in the marketing and communications department. Okay. Yeah. And the whole the, the whole company is um, the the list headquarters is now 45 to 50 people. So we're hiring like four six per month. 
Um, and with those people, we're trying to build the most accessible blockchain platform out there. So um, in a nutshell, we're trying to build a framework in JavaScript uh, utilizing Node.js in order for JavaScript developers to deploy their own sidechain. It's kind of like our unique selling point. Although it gets the sidechain topic gets very much popular across the last, uh, what is it, half a year. We saw it also in consensus uh, in 2018, um, a few weeks ago, that is a hot topic. But we were one of the first actually to to, to uh, publicly like uh, use this as a selling point in our ICO, which was uh, approximately two years ago and raised 14,000 Bitcoins. And with that money, we have been building um, uh, on our platform. Um, that moment it was worth approximately $6 million and now it's uh, 120 million. So we had a lot of more funding. And probably Since this the beginning. morning, like 100 million. <laughs> yes, you're completely right. I haven't, I haven't checked it, but I heard, I heard some screams in the company. I hope you cashed out some of it. <laughs> this is all being taken care of by, uh, by the board in, in Souk in Switzerland, where yeah, we're headquartered, yeah. and um, and by our legal and uh, and financial advisors yeah. in Souk. Um, actually, uh, so what's, I mean... As, as much as you're happy to go into, what's kind of your definition and implementation of a sidechain? Okay, so, well, I, I, what, I, what I, as an example, use is like sidechains comes with like three advantages, basically. Like, so the first one, we look obviously at other platforms, including Ethereum, which is has, has the first mover advantage and still has. It's vastly more developed and developed on than any other platform. Um, but we, we have been around for a while and I've been looking at it as well and trying to, to solve those mistakes before we, you know, before we, we, we offer our SDK or our sidechain development kit to developers. So the first one is it's, it's um it's it's more scalable um it's not really solving the scalability issues as you see with ethereum it's more that you scatter out all the traffic over different chains which means that you know instead of having everything on the main chain with lisk you have different side chains also of course those side chains also needs to be you know governed and be secured by other delegates in our case because we are running on a dpos consensus algorithm um so it's more scalable or at least it postpones the scalability issues it's more secure but you saw for example with parity or with DAO etc if something goes wrong with a smart contract it's sometimes irreversible and if something goes wrong on the side chain it doesn't affect another side chain or the main chain which is another another one and the third one is it's um, uh, especially in the future more custom so if you say okay my application my decentralized or blockchain application it doesn't really fit with proof of work then in the case of Ethereum that's a problem and in, in the case of Lisk in the beginning people will copy our consensus algorithm because they will basically make a copy of our main chain as, as their white label sidechain um, but eventually they can swap out that module for something else so if they say well actually my application is better fitting uh, proof of work or proof of stake yeah, in contrast to the delegated proof of stake they can do this mm-hmm. either by modules provided by Lightcurve which is development studio here in Berlin or developed by themselves so it's like kind of a little bit like how we see that sidechains can benefit and um, well, I, our science team is currently consists of three people, and we're having uh, that's like the, the core core science team. Obviously, we have like scientific backend developers, and the the main question, the main thing is right now is uh, improving, optimizing the, the two way pack between the side chain and the main chain. Mm-hmm. So, how do we guarantee that you know like 
the tokens that, for example, are being locked away on the main chain and being opened up on the side chain. How, is the, how does this pegging works two ways? Uh, how can we, you know, strengthen and emphasize interoperability between those side chains, etc., etc. And this requires significant research. And I know that other, you know, Cardano is is is, is another blockchain platform which is very much focusing on 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 research, scientific research before they go to implementation. And I think that we are shifting a little bit more towards a scientific and theoretical mm-hmm. moment. Um, we're having improvement proposals internally where we discuss uh, the scientific proposals. Some some are more basic level in terms of okay, what will be the dynamic fees for LISC, for example, which is now currently also being worked on, but then also the, the more advanced topics of this two-way pack. Um, so yeah, a lot is happening at the moment at, uh, at the headquarters. So just to dig into a couple of those things, uh, when you say sidechain to the main chain, is it just to your own main, main chain or can you sidechain to other blockchains? Initially, uh, initially um, our main chain. Uh, sometimes people argue, okay, that's going to be an enclosed ecosystem. That's a bit against the spirit of openness. Eh? Well, there are a lot of private blockchains, of course, which little bits of what you said made it sound slightly like that, but... But, uh, no, well, we definitely like like our own blockchain. We definitely we don't want to exclude like private or permission chains, but we, the focus will be in initially in, in public and, and permissionless uh, blockchains or side chains. And you know, like this this by itself, if we can get this straight or right, it's 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 a, an amazing thing to have for for millions of developers. Um, so the future is bright in in that regard. Let's first fix this, and then we're going to start talking about interoperability between different main chains. And there's other other projects working on exactly that as well on the side, right? Um, which we can also cooperate with or again learn from. Um, so first things first. I think it's very complicated what we're doing uh, to begin with. So um, let's. Let's get this first out. And actually, uh, talking about the, the JavaScript level, um, what what is that? What does what does that look like? What what are you what are you trying to add on? Okay, I think because to me, one of the aspects that I've often found confusing, and I think a lot of developers get confused with, with blockchain development, is you kind of you have the blockchain that, like Bitcoin, for example, had this sort of loose opcode. Mm-hmm. And a way of developing on Bitcoin. Um, I think we have smart contracts, but you're always sort of like, then what? Then what do I do? So the, 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 the fact that you're adding on a JavaScript layer of ease, which is a language a lot of people are familiar with, mm-hmm. kind of opens it up a lot more. Yeah. Um, so what, what does or what will that experience look like for JavaScript developers even? Yeah, so I mean, so our main slogan is like enabling blockchain creators, right? Then then in the kind of the secondary slogan is like uh, making it as accessible and simple as possible. So it really is that easy that if you go to the documentation of Lisk, which is lisk.io slash documentation, um, we are currently actually about to release an updated version of that specific documentation, which is vastly improved and much more professional than the current state of it. Um, it's it, any JavaScript developer and literally if you are a good developer mm. and I say it conservative, but within 30 minutes, you have your full node up and running and you're part of the network of Lisk, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just like the first step towards your sidechain, basically, you know, or towards your to be a delegate, or if you're holding a lot of tokens in your wallet, you want to have a full note yourself rather than just using the client. Um, so it's that easy, uh, and so it's not only like the code itself, which is then in JavaScript, but it's also again the documentation, which is about to be released. It's just a few few days ahead of us, um, in preparation of, of the the core 1.0 release, mm-hmm. which we are heading testnet in exactly a week. 
um, which is great news today. It went out this morning. Um, but it's also like the Lisk Academy, for example. So Lisk Academy has like the, the blockchain business and blockchain yeah. basics part. Okay, that's that's nice for education and inspiration. But then the third part we are developing internally with the help of uh, content creators and developers, which is blockchain builders. Mm-hmm. And there you have like the whole, almost like we're working with the design agency to make it like gamification. Very, very much like in a fun way, how do I go from an idea to a side chain, right? And and also, what is the difference between a smart contract, you know, and what we're doing? Because we are often, you know, uh, quoted as like a smart contract platform, but in, in a way, we don't support smart contracts. Um, and how is this different? This will all be, you know, explained in this blockchain builders part within the academy. And um, yeah, in, in our in our world, ideally, um, we would just get a random JavaScript developer from the street, from the street, put him in front of that part of the academy, let him read through the academy, then he, he can go to the documentation, and without any further explanation, he should be able to to deploy his own sidechain, and that's pretty cool because the guy or girl can has uh, his own blockchain within a day, maybe even. So, what do you? What do you replace the, the smart contract concept with? Is it back to actually somewhat more traditional programming, really? Actually, I have difficulties explaining that. Yeah. For that, we, we you should talk to the science team in, in how they replace that specific uh, application of smart contracts. Um, sometimes we get questions in terms of like if the smart contract will be replaced or will be supported eventually. Yes, but again, we should really focus on the first thing, getting that two-way back right between the main chain and the side chain, and then we're going to start, you know, customizing and adding other features, uh, features, um, Ethereum virtual machine, etc., etc. Um, possibilities are endless um, okay that question that you're probably more comfortable with it. <laughs> um, all that said like as a developer who is new to blockchain or not what would or might what might I want to use this for what, what do you consider the kind of good use cases yeah, this is a very good topic because we believe that if 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 Lisk uh, or blockchain in general actually should, uh, how does it become like successful and 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 uh, widely adopted? Uh, we look a little bit to to AI. Mm-hmm. In in, okay. in the case of AI, it's very much you know, a little bit ahead of the adoption curve. Not so much, but still there's a little bit more real use cases than in contrast to blockchain, which is surprising to me a little bit. And how does AI work? AI works in the sense that there's a very specific use case which is being optimized by by artificial intelligence right and this is such a good thing you can show to the world to other people to skeptical people etc we should do the same with blockchain so it's a very good question what where is Lisk good at at doing um, and this is something we are defining actually at the moment for ourselves uh, for example EOS EOS has like a slogan decentralize everything well that's very that's very nice and and we also want to target everybody but let's you know again go back to the beginning because the ambition is there but yeah, they such good press recently. No, okay, that's that's <laughs> true. That's true. But yeah. you know, every every blockchain has their has their pros and cons. Say, yeah. um, and let's see next week how we migrate to testnet. I have very very good good good, good hopes. Uh, the guys are running like over hours and testing like crazy. But back to what we were talking about, like those specific use cases, we need to define this both on our end mm-hmm. and the developer needs to show us basically. You know, like I think that you saw with the internet and you will see it with the list blockchain and other blockchain platforms. The best or the, the first killer app or the best applications are to, are to be determined by clever developing entrepreneurs or the, or, or, or or businesses, right? And um, and we will support that. And I think that if we see that the specific use cases are being used more often, you know, applications than others, we will focus on that and maybe add modules that support those use cases. And by AI, do 
you mean that aspect that seems to be a, quite a good use case in the blockchain space of the sort of machine-to-machine, um, almost payment with with uh, devices is the one that's often mentioned with AI and blockchain, like the ability for, um, I don't know, the, the, the post-sorting machine to contact a drone that takes the parcel that then opens the boot of your car and drops the parcel in and shuts it yeah. in, that kind of... And all the data's being stored on the blockchain. Yeah, mean. that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, but when you get a merge of almost IoT, AI, exactly. and blockchain, yeah. and again, then we should go back to what we we're doing first, like, let's first be able to deploy sidechains, and then we can, okay, how can we link this? We're talking to, you know, like, exploring this topic with AI, of IoT and, and also AI uh, experts and, and also companies here in Berlin. But it's more on a fun level to kind of look at where can we are, where we can can take this basically. To be honest with you, this doesn't really impact the way our day-to-day development sprints are, are, are being conducted. It's more like okay, what is possible and it's just cool because we're so, you know, it's our hobby as well besides that we're working on. It comes down to your job explaining it to people and just because something is general purpose doesn't mean you can't just focus on targeting a particular set of developers in industry first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what actually is, is some sort of guidance where we can take the applications is that our um, our consensus algorithm is based on voting. Okay. So it's like delegated proof yep. of stake. So the whole game theory and the, the political aspects of it and the psychology that comes with voting and devoting people and, you know, like um, people people teaming up together, etc. what happens also in normal politic, political situations, it's kind of mimicked, but then on the yeah. blockchain, right? And there's a, there's a huge reward that Don't comes with it. Um, no, no, no. We try to avoid it, but it's it's even EOS has it right now, right? There's like pros and cons of the yeah. people they, they are being elected, you know, recently. And um, and I think if we can get this, and there's no consensus algorithm waterproof or, no, or, or perfect yet. There's again pros and cons for every consensus algorithm. But if we can get this right, in in a, we really want to stick with DPoS, but definitely, definitely uh, reshape it and adjust it. Then this voting component is of course like a very interesting element, which 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 we can lead the way at uh, in terms of like an application of voting. Um, um, one more sort of I, not really a technical question, but it's a product question. I actually want to ask you a little bit more specifically about your job. Yeah. Um, have you looked at uh, Hyperledger Compose? Um, I heard yes. And basically, I wondered how that compares to what you're trying to work on. Like, and I, I interviewed the the lead of Hyperledger as well and he also admitted that it's not quite there yet but this aspect of trying to make developing blockchain applications well in their case it's actually just like online pasting the JavaScript and it gives you like the modeling language and I think they're aiming at much more at kind of business analyst type people. Yeah. The ones who are used to like used to write like Excel macros and things like that. But this aspect yeah. of the, like a visual builder. Well, okay, so I have to be of course be careful what I say because oh, first of all I'm not informed into the project that well. Of course, I've seen passes by multiple times. Actually I've heard good stories about it as well. It's also being used by more companies, especially companies mm, than, sure. than individuals than than you know <laughs> at, at the moment Lisk. Yeah. So in that regard it's a little bit different. Uh, I have the feeling exactly how you describe it. That's the case um, and you know I'm not sh- 100% sure about it but I think this 
that Hyperledger is 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 targeting this this niche, mm. and uh, and and on the same time, kind of is part of this bigger experiment where we are mm-hmm. trying to do okay, well, how does blockchain exactly. implement like business? Uh, so and and we can look at that. We can maybe and then and hopefully convince people to deploy their full swing side chain eventually when they tested it out first with other platforms or or or, or Hyperledger. Um, future will tell. Uh, there's room for multiple multiple applications, and there they all are, have their own are. strengths and weaknesses. Sometimes I think sometimes it frustrates me that there's so many options because I kind of want people to collaborate more. But if if we want to continue making that somewhat dated now comparison to oh the blockchain is like the internet of the nineties. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people came, a lot of people had some crazy ideas, and then a lot of them fell. And then eventually we kind of got to what we have now, which is why blockchain came along to change what we have now. Yeah. It didn't quite work out how we hoped. But anyway, that's, that's kind of a whole other conversation. Yeah. But and, um, a few people have explained this to me. Like I've worked in the open source community for a long time, and I'm always kind of more of the, one of these people that like, so you're doing this and you're doing this, and they're quite similar. Why don't you work together? It's like, oh, we don't want to. Yeah. But, and I know sometimes you get a bit of both. But well, we, we actually, like, I mean, uh, I think uh, I was discussing this with, with Max, right, the CEO and and, uh, and, and and co-founder, and he said that I think we see a little bit of a change where everybody's a little in the beginning of this hype, especially yeah. with a very bullish market, very bit cocky in a sense that say like, like we can do it ourselves. Yeah. Whereas now you see that projects that have similar, you know, threats or similar difficulties of yeah. getting it actually to the real use cases and the real world. They said, like, why don't we just team up? You know, either you no. know with 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 knowledge sharing, etc. Like well. We were in consensus um, in New York during the blockchain week, and also Icon was there you know from Korea and uh, and we were talking with them it was a very pleasant conversation and sharing knowledge and experience and also just having fun and it turned out they are so similar to us they are also in the co-working uh, space which is called WeWork okay they are across the other side of the planet and they speak a different language but what they're trying to achieve the, the, their team structure the size everything it's pretty similar and, and then we said okay we definitely need to do more with that and, and other projects so um, well, on, on the subject you kind of gave me a perfect segue on the subject of uh, sort of the community changing and the consensus. <laughs> I interviewed the CMO of Consensus as well during the week. Um, and it's interesting because I asked her the same question. You already said do you currently have like 12 people in the marketing department? Or yeah, something. Yeah, well, yeah. depending on like next week, there's new people joining. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in my mind, traditionally, certain aspects of the blockchain space were fairly bad at explaining what they did. I think a lot of it came from the origins of it. It was a very technical solution to problems. It was very mathematical. It generally came from engineers who just sort of saw a beautiful solution to a problem but weren't very good at explaining why it was a beautiful yeah. solution. Um, and I notice now that these companies are finally taking on technical writers, marketing people, DevRel people who are actually good at explaining why it's useful to the same audience. But um, And so I'd be interested to, to hear like, you know, what was the impetus in the company to, I guess, first hire you, but then hire so many people, even in yeah. like, more traditional tech companies, you probably wouldn't have that many stuff. So. Yeah. Well, actually, it's, it's, I can I can explain that because uh, I, I, I just thought about it because uh, yesterday I gave a presentation, or two days ago, I gave a presentation uh, on uh, TOA, the keynote on the innovation stage, where I talked about the, the differences between uh, blockchain marketing and traditional startup marketing. And there's a, there's a few big differences. And in a traditional startup, you you have to show traction before you get funding. 
and then with attraction yeah, yeah, yeah. comes customers <laughs> and, and of course you maybe have like a handful of VCs yeah. if you're lucky as a startup that put pressure in our case yeah. you get all the funding and the whole community yeah. with all skin in the game since the beginning yeah. Yeah. there's no office manager there's no HR in place okay. there's no marketing there's no best practices either because you know doing marketing for blockchain is completely different than for traditional startup so we have to figure out everything ourselves from scratch while we are building the team with the pressure of a lot of money and, and with all the pressure <laughs> of all the people you know and, yeah. and, if the, and you know our ICO price was 7 cents it went all the way to around $40 which is amazing and now it's back to you know uh, back to uh, way less um but these swings affect the mood of people, mm. like the the, the the kind of controlling the the, the thought, the fear, uncertainty, denial, like uh, people people hiding behind their username on the internet and making yeah. either yeah. spread fake news or, yeah. or or pumping something up, which is not that that you know it's not a partnership. We're just discussing something with this company. So this, there's a lot to correct, and and I could literally use 50 people in my department. Literally, we can have community managers for every country. We can have somebody that translates all the content. We can make 100 times more events. Mm-hmm. So you know, like if you, I'm sure if you walk through the streets of Berlin here and you ask people, do you know Lisk? I would doubt how many people would know Lisk. And I think that there's so much to gain still that 11 people, and that's not like 11 online marketeers. It's like 11 people, which is, or 12 now, yeah. which is like, okay, me leading and overseeing the team, managing. community managing, yeah, yeah. even design. Yeah. So the whole redesign we did, all the videos, all the f- over 50 infographics for the mm-hmm. academy, it's all being produced in-house. All our media placements, PR, today's interview, it's all being, obviously we have contractors like Waxman and other contractors in the industry, but the vast majority of the things we're doing is just being done by those 11, 12, and yeah. soon a little bit more people. And um, and we're, we are heading towards this this core uh, 1.0 mainnet. And then we are, you know, a little bit, you know, the, you can really see that the, our, our platform gets more in shape, gets more shaped. And that requires also uh, the hiring of tech, tech evangelists. Yeah, yeah. And on the same side, business developers. Exactly. It's, the, uh, it's, a, it's a conventional path for the more conventional tech business I mean I actually do some of that sort of work on the side of journalism because tech journalism is great fun but it doesn't pay very well (laughs) and um, I actually noticed it myself kind of a few years ago with a lot of uh, European more more conventional European tech companies they started hiring tech writers and tech real people because they got to that point where they looked at America and was like what are they doing differently and what are we missing oh we need those people not just engineers and like business people but actually like the people in between who can translate between yeah and and, 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 you know further down the line it only becomes more important exactly Um, and uh, yeah it's something that I was actually thinking the same thing that you said in your talk about this this aspect that you do have to do everything out in the open you have all the pressure up front um, and some people just run away and hide yeah (laughs) yeah or run away and you know, negative. With get affected by the negative. to do that or not? Is yeah. another conversation? Um, and uh, and you're also, you know, you've often sat down and said you're going to solve a very complicated problem that even a conventional startup would have taken probably years to solve. Um, but they started with 100k or not. Yeah, yeah, it makes life easier, right? So it's like kind yeah. of like the, the bootstrapping component in our industry is not really the case. There's only a few projects which are yeah. bootstrapped. The majority is being financed by ICOs. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's then the only positive thing we have compared to you know. 
uh, there, there's a huge pressure both on time and, and, and to, to deliver and, um, and and you see it happening with projects that they because of this pressure yeah. and because they want to keep the price up and everybody happy um, they go too soon too many exactly, yeah. or they don't provide proper that documentation and it's miss, a lot of things the, the moment in the, in the sun yeah and it's a little bit yeah. for the discussion we have as well and I can I can freely talk about that it's for us also a little bit a trade-off between you know having steady momentum as like one of the first projects to focus on side chains, exactly. whereas it gets more popular, yeah, but right. not rushing it because yeah. there's a there's like there's a few hundreds of millions in the network, and and our CTO is always emphasizing on tests and and stability. And if you see how long, yeah, 1.0 took way too long. Wow. We made some architectural decisions, wrong decisions, and we're fixing that with new talent in the team, etc. And we are on a very good track. And and yeah, I mean, how we have although it's like a rat race kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's still a long term game yeah. and we rather have you know the, yeah. the image of having being a very sturdy and professional both organization and platform so businesses then later can make the decision uh, further down the line yeah. okay we're going to choose for a list because this and this reason in fact in some respects with ICOs the better model to look at is something like Kickstarter not not VC funding you know, yeah. it's the same kind of model you have an idea and then you get a lot of money and then a lot of people sit there going where's it really where's it yeah it gets crazy off and then, and, then, and there's also a lot of things and I also really want to emphasize this there's so much happening which doesn't end up on Twitter I mean the whole legal and financial structure we have with the foundation in Switzerland working together with MME and, 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 and other parties over there it's 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 um, we get praised for how professional we have things being uh, designed over there with a limited liability yeah. company in Berlin yeah. and this structure is being copied by yeah. many other platforms including uh, uh, companies in Berlin but also even Icon and other other people that are based officially in Zug in Switzerland but it's very important and you know and there's a lot of young people involved and there's also a lot of people that are yeah. maybe in this field especially in the financial field or, or legal field not so much experience yeah, yeah and, 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 and then not only money is the thing that helps you no, out no, not exactly, always exactly exactly uh, yeah alright um, final question then just I mean I, I say I was at your first birthday party how long ago was that four or five months so it was not really a birthday party it was more oh, uh, the, our birthday is on the 24th of May um, <laughs> so our birthday was actually uh, was actually recently <laughs> but the party was uh, you were there actually yeah yeah oh awesome um, it was a relaunch event so that's kind of like a, yeah so what we what we said is like it was a rebranding combined with yeah. a new product which is the list four or five months ago it was the 20th of February okay. so yeah exactly exactly yeah, pretty close to <laughs> yeah exactly um, so obviously blockchain space and blockchain companies moved very quickly you've already mentioned a few things but what's the kind of major announcements you want to make sure people know that you have planned over the next six months yeah so okay well we go if we go back to February it was like clearly like okay finally going to a really like a, just a template website a WordPress website oh, almost was not but it looked like that um, and, and, and a small growing team which has to figure it out themselves to a okay a clear defined brand strategy uh, a goal what we want to envision and then also a professional event around it, which, in my opinion, was most one of the most professional events organized by a cryptocurrency. And, and of course, we look a little bit on to the side how Apple and, and others are doing it. Mm-hmm. So there was like a real marketing... Yeah, uh, it was a very slick event. It was like a, I never really did a write-up because I wanted sort of to wait. But the one thing I will almost remind myself in this interview, because it was actually quite remarkable how professional that event was. And I go to a lot of events in Berlin. A lot of events in Berlin are very amateur. Yeah. <laughs> And there was actually 
possibly the biggest thing I got out of it was actually it was very professional so yeah what's the word we saw yeah thanks what's yeah. the word we saw most also on, on the YouTube comments and on Reddit was like professional and that was a big compliment for us and why because we preached to have like this professional setup and that we are very serious and that we're not you know popping champagne bottles every second week never actually because this image is also a little bit sticky to like the amount of money that flows into this industry but we have like professional like appearance like for our definitely not I don't have a, I don't, I don't have a have a car and I, I don't want to keep it like that I'm just joking. No, no, no. Uh, because it's Berlin so you can do everything by bike I'm Dutch after all yeah, um, but yeah so that's like really like branding setting the things and then showing that you know the marketing department is capable of organizing such an event yeah, yeah. again focusing on professionalism now now the talking needs to be done by development I think that in the whole industry like marketing is kind of sometimes leading the way with like yeah, moon sure. moon to the moon uh, Lambo giveaways etc airdrops but in the end the development is what counts right so now it's up to development um, we predicted um, uh, when 1.0 would hit mainnet well this has been delayed for, for good reasons uh, for the reasons I just mentioned focusing on security stability so today we announced testnet so in one week we go to testnet two to four weeks I assume, uh, I predict it's going to be mainnet. Mm-hmm. I think we're 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 uh, um, steady enough to go there, um, and that's like the first foundation for the blockchain platform. What comes after that is reducing the fees, so we go from um, static fees, yeah. zero point one um, per transaction, which is pretty pretty significant with the current price, to dynamic fees, which is like a magnitude lower, which also. Uh, opens up our yeah our network for many many more people. Mm-hmm. Imagine that there's we we did some analysis. There's so many people that have a few tokens and just uh, as a little bit invested in cryptocurrencies and have a few list tokens. Yeah, if they have to send one list token and ten percent of that is gone to fees. Yeah, that's not really accessible, yeah. right? So first, like dynamic fees, which is very important, also for the voting on on delegates to get a little bit more liquidity in that as well. Yeah. Uh, new address system. Uh, that's a, that's a milestone. That address system is uh, is sidechain proof mm-hmm. with that higher entropy etc also announced during uh, during the relaunch events being worked on at the moment by our science team and backend team uh, we want to tweak the consensus algorithm which is a hot topic and a sensitive topic because it, it involves a lot of parties and a lot of money and and, and, and that is involved um, we're doing research uh, regarding that um, because at the moment we're doing very thorough feasibility studies for all those different milestones on the backend side so like our core Elements and and commander. The elements is the the JavaScript library, and um, and commander is our command line interface. And those three together, and those two together with core form our our backend products. And um, and I'm not sure when it will be released. We're going to have a very thorough planned out roadmap from status quo to SDK mm-hmm. and everything in between and also with the prioritization so what do we prefer to do first yeah, because we still have limited resources we are hiring like crazy but you know you have only this amount of developers at the moment and managing these stuff and managing as well <laughs> and then you have like their state of the art they are developing that's one third one third state of the art and then the other third is is actually uh, testing and it's always being underestimated how long testing and, and making For things sure. waterproof are and um, <laughs> so that's like in a nutshell a little bit what we're working on at the moment and then a little bit further down the line we're going to have like register your your dap name mm-hmm. so secure your name uh, then custom tokens and lastly the activation of sidechain uh, withdrawal and deposit mm-hmm. um, and then uh, eventually after that when the sidechains are in function a decentralized exchange okay. where we can swap sidechain tokens for main chain tokens yep. and sidechains for sidechains hopefully yep. because not all those projects have the funding to fly to Asia like we did with yep. uh, with the Asia tour Max and myself 
to get ourselves listed on on Bitflyer, for example, in Japan, which was a, a big a big win. And um, so yeah, we, we create liquidity and also demand for the list token in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, a lot of things, a lot of things. This is like development, and we have a lot of plans as well for marketing. But um, yeah, it's a hobby anyway, so hobby. It's, it's totally fine. And that was my interviews with Amanda Gutterman and Thomas Schutten. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can find previous episodes at gregariousmemoir.com slash podcast, support the show at gregariousmemoir.com slash support, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash gregariousmemoir. You can find me at Chris Chinch on Twitter or chrischinchilla.com. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time.